Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about power rankings. First power rankings of the season are out on the website. There's an article you can click on. It'll be in the link of the episode. It will be in the link. I'm going to link it everywhere in the Twitter post promoting this podcast, wherever Uh, you'll be able to find it easy. But if you just go to the website, bballindex.com, go to the articles tab, it'll be the top article. Uh, But yeah, December NBA power rankings. So Basically, the way I did it was obviously, you know, you look at factors like what's a team's record. That's pretty important. But the separator here is, you know, offensive, defensive and then net rating. The combination of the two is a very good tool for analyzing teams. But here at Basketball Index, we have something that's a little bit better than that. Uh, Luck adjusted offensive, defensive and net rating. I'm going to be referencing luck adjusted net rating quite a bit in this article and this podcast. And basically the way the luck adjustments work is it looks for things like shooting variance often coming in the times or in the form of like three point shooting, free throw shooting, things of that nature. Um, It looks at all shooting, but the place the biggest swings come is in the three point shooting luck because they've done a bunch of studies on this. You can control how well you shoot from three to like a certain level. The opposite, when you're playing a, you know, a random team on a random night, you don't have a lot of control over that, especially on open threes. Like they kind of just miss or make them as much as they do. So if you adjust for that, that helps kind of bring everybody into line and it gives you more predictable results. So that's why we use the luck adjustments, uh, especially for net rating, because along with that and a team's record, you can start to get a pretty good idea of what is going on. And we talked about, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I would um, really recommend it. It talks about the luckiest teams in the league, who's had the largest uh, luck adjustments, whose net rating and luck adjusted net rating have the, the biggest difference between them. And in that episode, I talk about what that means, where Oklahoma City has been the luckiest team this year. But even if you adjust their net, you know, raw net rating with the luck adjusted one, they're still one of the top teams in the league. So it doesn't it doesn't mean you're bad if you are lucky. It's that thing I'd rather be lucky than good. If you're both good and lucky, then you're a really dangerous team. So let's talk about, I don't know, I'm just going to rattle through the teams here in the order that I've ranked them. And I don't know if I'll skip over. I don't know. I'm going to see how it goes because we did episodes last year, which you guys like. They did well in listenership, but it was me, it was Krishna, and it was Tim talking about every team. And it took a really long time. I think the episodes were like split into two parts and were like over two hours, like three or four hours. So that was a lot. So I'm going to try to give you the slim down version of, I don't know if you listen to Stuff You Should Know. That's one of my favorite podcasts. And basically, you know, two guys that are, they seem nice enough and they're, you know, funny and uh, yada, yada, yada. But basically what they do is every episode is a random, you know, topic like Tupperware or the space station or the common cold. And essentially it's two guys doing, I don't know, some amount of hours of research, condensing that down, and then going through the topic in kind of a fun and breezy manner. And it's a shorthand of, I mean, the conversation they have is is nice and entertaining, but it's a shorthand of, oh, this is, I would love to know a little bit about Tupperware, but I don't really want to spend nine hours researching the, (laughs) the history of the product. I'd rather have somebody else do that and then kind of spit it out for me in a condensed form. And that is basically what I'm going to be doing here of like, let's go all around the league. I spent the time, I did the research, I talked to Krishna, got the, the data, the numbers, crunched that. I've been watching a fair amount of games 
and uh, kind of giving you the, the shorthand of what's been going on this year uh, kind of to start. So we're about 20% of the way through the season. So that's a good indicator of like, all right, 20%, a fifth of the way. The sample sizes are big enough to start drawing some conclusions. And let's dig into how teams have played this year and take a look at maybe where they're going to be moving forward. So uh, number one team, the Celtics. In years past, they've also been really good, you know, both in record and in, you know, the advanced metrics or net rating or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I haven't been the biggest believer where they've been good. They've been a really deep team, especially last year where I was like, they're going to lose in like the second round. I like I just I don't think they're going to make the finals. That's how I felt all season. And um, they ended up not making the finals, but the flaws on the team were were sort of there, right? Didn't have a ton of ball handling. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in late in games have been um, a little underwhelming for being a team that you think is going to win the championship, right? Uh, Tatum obviously better than Brown, but this offseason things kind of changed. They brought in Drew Holiday, which was huge because not only is Drew Holiday just a really good player, but they needed ball handling so badly. They needed it so badly. They got a really good player who's not an elite playmaker, but he's a very good playmaker. Obviously great defender and can score himself. So that move was probably like the the upgrade from Marcus Smart to Drew Holiday is a <laughs> I mean, you, you go from having, I don't know, like the like 80th best player on your team to like the 28th best player on your team, like the massive upgrade. And then obviously they get Porzingis and he's another guy where like, you know, he's always been a good player. He's always been a talented player, but I was always confused of like, do you have to play through him to be successful? And if that's the case, if you're playing through him, and you are playing a team that's playing through Jokic, like you're going to lose, right? Or playing a team that's playing through Giannis, like they're just better. So Porzingis has always been kind of a difficult guy to rate. You know, there's been some injuries and, you know, interesting skill set. But I think because there isn't a, how do I want to say it? It's not that like Tatum's not the top dog on the team because he obviously is their best player, but he is a... I think it's good and bad. He seems to be like pretty unselfish. There is some things in in terms of his, like he feels sounds so sounds so mean, but like he feels like he's like eighteen years old still, maturity wise. And not to say that he's, I don't know if immature is the right word. I, I don't know if that's really fair, but like he's kind of childlike in a sense, but in both good and bad ways. Like there are some ways where it's like, man, I wish you had some more like Kobe killer instinct, but also it's like, oh, well, I don't know. You seem like you're probably a little easier to get along with in the locker room because like <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> you're not looking at me like a shark. <laughs> so my feelings on Tatum are kind of complicated and I don't know how to how to kind of like jot him down in a short way. He, really good player, but like it's not like, you're playing Jason Tatum's way or you're it's the highway on the team. You know, it's a much more of a sharing environment, which can be really good in your star. And I think that helps with Porzingis where there's times where he can really be featured. And I think you have to feature him in order for him to be uh, successful and play up to his potential. He's been really good. He's out with a calf strain. I think the combination of Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown and Tatum, and then also Derek White is you know crazy depth. They also have Al Horford on the team, and that looks really really good. I like that a lot. 
they, you know, they have all year to work it out. And I think having guys that can do a little bit more on ball in Porzingis, Andrew Holiday, balances out the weakness that I've seen in the team in years past. So I think one Celtics fans could really take that kind of paragraph I just put out in this podcast, and like really not like me, but I don't know. It, it didn't have venom behind it. It's just kind of how I feel about things. Uh, number two, Milwaukee Bucks. Dame has you know gone over there. The offense looks really, really good. The defense has taken a little bit of a step back. They're 16th in luck adjusted defensive rating. So kind of middle of the road, but I mean, this is what happens. Like you swap out having guys, Javon Carter and Grace Allen on the team. You replace them with Dame and Malik Beasley. Your offense going to be a lot better. Your defense going to be worse. It's kind of how it goes. I think things are going to be, things are going to be okay with this team. I like any, there's been like weirdly a lot of concerns about Dame and I don't really get it. He's one of the best offensive players on the planet. He elevates their team offensively in a way they needed it. Yes, does the team probably need to go out and trade for like another point of attack defender? Because like you can't have Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard defend on the perimeter all year and those be your guys defending guards. Like it's just not going to work. But other than that, this team is stacked. This team is unbelievably good. If Chris Middleton can get back to playing just at 90% of what he was before he's dealt with these injuries, this team's just going to steamroll in the playoffs. Uh, after that, Nuggets have looked really good. Jamal Murray's missed time. Uh, Aaron Gordon struggled a little bit shooting, but now Jamal Murray's back, and I think they're they're they look to be humming. I'm I'm not worried about them. I think they might be repeating back to the finals. Um, you know, don't know if they win, but I think they're one of the clearly upper echelon teams of you know Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets. I think all year are going to be in the mix as kind of the top team in the league, depending on you know who's a little banged up and who's kind of humming at the moment. Uh, number four, Timberwolves. Timberwolves are playing really great to start the year. They have the best luck adjusted defensive rating in the league. Rudy Gobert looks like himself. That trade, you know, that they brought him over is starting like the vision is starting to be there. Cat and Nas Reed shooting the ball at a super high efficiency clip. That's been really interesting. They've played a little bit of three big. A little bit, a little bit of three big going around the league. Lakers have done it a little bit more for defensive reasons. And then the Timberwolves here with Nas Reed, Cat, and Gobert. Um, Anthony Edwards looks good. I really like Mike Conley on this roster. He's a really solid vet, gives them three-point shooting. And then obviously Jaden McDaniels is a uh, BBI superstar, extremely effective defensive player, and and some flashes, actually more than them flashes, like some amount of offensive game and really interesting. So that's my top tier of teams, Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets, Timberwolves, those top four teams, I think, have kind of been the best so far. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Oklahoma City, where's that? So I'm going to go to Tier 2 now. Oklahoma City is at the top of Tier 2, number five team in the league. And they've been really good. But I talked about it in the last episode. They have also been the luckiest team in the league. So their raw net rating is a little deceiving because it's like eye-popping. It's something like eight where it's like, uh, they're not, they're not, they're not the Celtics, right? They're not that good, but they're young, Chet Holmgren looks like, I mean, so far, 20% through the season, all, all NBA player. That probably fades a little bit, but 18 and 8, 40% from three on four attempts a game. That is some serious two-way impact coming out. He was he was second in rim points saved, which is just basically how effective you are contesting shots at the rim versus how often you do it. So that was also a really, really big indicator early on. I'm not sure where he is. I tweeted that like a week or so ago, so maybe a week and a half ago. So that might be a little bit different, but 
The two-way impact has been huge. SGA just looks like a dominant top 10 player. You know, can get to the line, really effective driving. Mid-range game is great. Like, not a lot of holes. Also, stealing an alarming amount of passes. Like, holy crap. So, didn't really see that happening with him. But last year, there was some defensive playmaking. And, you know, one year, you're like, well, is this is this what he does? Is this a fluke? I don't know. And then this year, racking up a crazy amount of steals, too. So, the combination of SGA and Chet Holmgren along with the other guys they have there, really, really interesting. You know, Lou Dort's their defender. Isaiah Joe is like their lights-out three-point shooter. Obviously, Jalen's there. and They just have a, a number of pieces. They're playing well together. They're young. And I'm, I'm impressed by them because they did have all the expectations going into the season, and they lived up to the hype. So uh, really interesting to see Chet going forward because he's looking like – a real game changer. So they were number five, number six, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. They've also been one of the luckier teams in the league, but again, still good. But I think the stat of the, of the research stat of the podcast, stat of the article um, is the Sixers traded James Harden, right? Their luck adjusted offensive rating hasn't really changed. It was sixth uh, or sorry, fifth last year and sixth this year. Big part of that Tyrese Maxey, you know, they upped the offensive load for him. He goes from scoring 20 points a game to 27 points a game. So, like, already a good player. We've seen in the playoffs the scoring punch is real, but now he's doing it at a superstar level. The efficiency still 3% above league average, about what it was last year. So, he's giving you a huge volume on pretty good efficiency. And then the playmaking has really been excellent. He's doubled his assist. He's not really turning the ball over at a higher rate. Kind of crazy that you could just double your passing and not really turn the ball over more. But he has taken, I would say, probably the biggest jump. I don't know, maybe him or Halliburton, depending on where you had them last year. Obviously, both very good players last year. Um, he has been one of the uh, the kind of stars of the early season, Tyrese Maxey. So... Uh, on top of that, Joel Embiid, usual dominant self. Tobias Harris playing well. And the defense has just kind of been okay. It's been around like middle of the road. But their role players, you know, they got Robert Covington in the trade. They have DeAnthony Melton. They acquired Nicholas Batum. They have Patrick Beverly. Like their role players are really good defensive players. So I think the defense is going to rise as the season goes on. So Sixers looking good at six. Number seven, Indiana Pacers. They are having a moment here in the in-season tournament. Uh, blow the doors off you kind of offense where they'll just straight up outscore you. They, it doesn't even matter. They will just outscore you. Their offense, I mean, luck adjusted, everything is just dominant. It's the best offense in the league. Pretty gaudy numbers. The defense, very bad. Other than Miles Turner, their shot blocking center, not a lot of defenders in the – I mean, they have Bruce Brown. Actually, I shouldn't say that. They have Andrew Nemhart, Bruce Brown. They've been they've been pretty solid defenders um, last year in the past. Obviously, Bruce Brown has a little more of a history of it. I think they can get things worked out, but their defense is really bad. <laughs> but their offense is insane. And then Tyrese Halliburton playing like an all-NBA player. So uh, really exciting things in Indiana. I know they're obviously a pretty young team, but things are coming together. Roster's getting a little better. Obi Toppin, really excellent place to find himself where you have a big athletic wing that can run the floor with a top-tier passer. Really, we've seen this with like Steve Nash. Now we're seeing with Halliburton. Those guys are devastating in transition. He's obviously playing really well. So uh, after that, number eight, Sacramento Kings. They have been, you know, good to start the year. They were the darling team last year. Offense is good. Darren Fox 
playing at a really high level, 30 points a game, six and a half assists on positive efficiency. You love to see that. And you know, things have been good, not great. I think a part of that is Keegan Murray, really tough sophomore slump. But, you know, he's got time. We're only 20% of the way through the season. The roster, you know, I had concerns all last year where you have a really, really offensive slanted roster. And that's probably the way you want to lean in the modern day NBA. But I don't know. I think they're a candidate for maybe trading for a player like Caruso. I know they've had their guard rotation on the bench has kind of been in flux. Davion Mitchell, I think, is playing a little bit less. And they've been trying to figure things out there. I think Caruso for them would be a real, real game changer and like an affordable player to get at the deadline, right? Where you're not, it's not crazy salary. I think he makes like $9 million a year. And then you give up a couple picks and a, a player or whatever it may be. And you get the best defensive guard of a generation. <laughs> Could really elevate their defense because they really need it. And then just solidify it of the back end of the rotation, you know, another legit NBA player versus like they have some fringe guys that are playing on the bench. Uh, but overall, good team, not worried about them. Fox, I think Fox versus Halliburton is starting to become like a fun conversation because they're they're very different players in terms of skill set and kind of style, but both really effective near the top of the league. Maybe I'll do a podcast on that in the future. Um, number 10 or sorry, number nine, Orlando Magic. They have been, again, a pretty lucky team. They're the most obvious regression candidate. Really, really young. But Palo looks really good in year two. Uh, at the time I wrote this article, they were 14 and six. Their record's probably around there. Uh, Franz looks really good. And then Jalen Suggs is kind of breaking out as a, a really effective defensive guard. He's 99th percentile in offensive fouls drawn, 96th percentile in steals, 92nd percentile in deflections. What that means, a lot of defensive playmaking, and that's helped fuel their fourth best luck-adjusted defensive rating. So uh, Orlando Magic, really young, um, look to be you know good, moving in the right direction. Are they probably going to falter here? They're 14 and 6. That's probably not going to continue. The defense has been good, which is great, but... I think that things probably fall apart a little bit because, you know, they're still a year or two away from like, I'm thinking they probably fade here starting soon and kind of down the stretch. And then next year, like that's really like playoff time for them would be my timeline because again, you hit on Palo and he seems to be uh, a future star because he's just kind of unstoppable at certain points. He's just so big, moves so well. Um, let's move on. Number 10, Phoenix Suns. Uh, okay, so the Suns, everyone was really excited about them in the offseason because you have Booker, you have Durant, you have Bradley Beal. Big threes are very sexy, fun to write about, fun to talk about. Everybody loves it. The problem is Booker's missed some time. Beal's basically not played this year. And Durant's been the healthy one of the bunch. That's probably not going to continue. Durant's played 60 games zero times since tearing his Achilles in the 2019 playoffs. So that's probably not going to change. He's just getting older. What I think is going to happen with them is there's going to be one of the three out kind of the entire year. And they're going to make the playoffs. But it's going to be kind of murky and unclear of how good the team is when everything is healthy and humming. Because I don't think we're going to see it very much this year. However... They did a good job this year building a roster of role players that complement their stars where 
they Nurkic really hasn't been that great, but he he's a body. <laughs> um, they re-signed Josh Akogi. They just have like a number of defenders on the roster or players that understand what their role is and their role isn't to score a bunch of points. So um, they've done a nice job of having some young guys, some energy guys, and then they also have Eric Gordon there for a little bit of scoring, a little bit of spacing. They've done a nice job kind of just rounding out the roster uh, in ways that make sense. Who's the who's the the big? He was on Portland last year. I do like him. Yeah, okay, so I pulled it up. Drew Eubanks, he's a good player. Grayson Allen is actually like a, I don't, there's reasons not to like him, but he's actually a pretty solid 3 and D guy. Uh, I, there's just things on this roster that make a lot of sense for me in terms of plugging guys into play around star players. So uh, moving on, let's talk about team I have at 11, and that is the New York Knicks. The Knicks are built for the regular season. They're really deep. They are a pretty good defensive team. I think they're top three in luck-adjusted defense. Tibbs always has his defenses playing well, always has the players playing really hard, uh, winning record, and regular season, it's great. So that's why I have them here. Um, They're at the top of – oh, this is Tier 3. So Tier 3 starts with the teams that are – that have been solid to good. And I think the Knicks kind of like if you were to say, what's a team that's solid to good? You'd be like New York Knicks. Uh, Brunson's their best player, which he's been good since he's a Nick. But I don't know if a lot of people envisioning winning a title with Jalen Brunson as your best player. It's just probably not going to be the case. Uh, Number 12, Dallas Mavericks. They retooled their roster. Uh, They added Grant Williams to kind of fill that DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith 3 and D forward that's been good Derek Lively the rookie has been you know really good energy rim finisher for them and the offense is great fifth in luck adjusted offensive rating but the defense is really bad 25th in luck adjusted defensive rating so really good offense really bad defense the teams that fit that are the Hawks are also like that and then the Pacers but the Pacers just has the best offense of the bunch. So that <laughs> makes them the most valuable team. <laughs> but, you know, you have Luka, you have Kyrie. I would like, hmm, I don't know. Because they have some young guys on their roster. I don't know if you just kind of stand pat and you're you're competitive this year. And then you just kind of hope for... Because the easiest thing about every team is like, oh, they should make a move. Oh, make a move. You should make a move. Ah, make a move. And then you get stuck in like the trap of like you're constantly making trades and then you're always low on draft picks and then you can never make the big move when you need to. And it's hard to rebuild your roster over time because, again, you've traded away a lot of your pick where it's like, I don't know, maybe Josh Green and Derek Lively just kind of progress into like above average players and you couple them with Kyrie and Luca and in the meantime, you're competitive, so everybody's like you can be a little frustrated that you're not, you know, whatever winning at all, but no one's super mad. And then you build towards something in the next two or three years. I'm not sure what you do with Dallas, but they're a good team. They have a floor kind of built into them with Luca and Kyrie. And I don't know. I feel like things have been pretty good for them this year. Like considering where they were last year, like this seems like a good step forward. Um, After that, we have the Los Angeles Lakers at 13. And it's funny because everyone talked about their depth all off season and a bunch of the role players have been hurt. So they finally got Jared Vanderbilt back and that's good to see. He is kind of a defender, defensive playmaker, energy guy. 
that's really helpful during the regular season. And then Gabe Vincent's been out most of the year. He was, you know, pretty productive with the Heat last year. So the Lakers, you know, they're they're playing well in the in season tournament. They're going to play the Pacers in the finals here and tomorrow, I think. So uh, LeBron is playing at a super high level. His numbers look great. Watching him, just absolutely dominant. AD's look good. Austin Reeves started out really cold, but he's bounced back. He's been better the last few weeks. And the defense is good. It's fifth in luck-adjusted defensive rating, but the offense hasn't really kind of found its niche yet. 23rd in luck-adjusted offensive rating. You want that to be higher. And they have – it's hard because, like, they have offensive pieces. They have D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been good to start the year. Uh, Reeves has bounced back, but it just kind of hasn't all clicked together exactly. Um, there's been kind of some some figuring out the rotation as well. So I think that'll kind of get sorted out in the offense. It's not going to stay that bad. So uh, Los Angeles at 13. After that, we got Cavs at 14. They've missed a lot of time. Their starters, Jared Allen's missed time. Uh, I mean, just pretty much all of their starters have missed time, I think, since Mo- you know, except for Mobley. And uh, they run in Max Struess. He came over from the heat, you know, some toughness, some three-point shooting. He's fit in well. They were getting like nothing from like the off-ball forward positions. And Struess has been productive, so that's been good. Seems like they still might be like a guy short, but they're probably going to move up the rankings. Good defensive team, and it looks like they're getting everybody back healthy. At 15, we have the Miami Heat. They lost some guys in free agency. I've mentioned them in the podcast already. Jaime Jaquez looks really good as a rookie. You know, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of passing, a lot of savvy. Duncan Robinson is back. I never gave up officially. I just want to get that out there. I never gave up on Duncan Robinson. I always love the shooting. He's doing more than that now, uh, but he had a really good postseason run last year. Those two guys have filled in really nicely for what they've lost. Overall, been a little bit above average on offense and defense. Bam, with a little more offensive load this year. Uh, I think they're 12th in luck-adjusted net rating, so they've been pretty good. This is a typical Miami Heat team waiting in the wings. Then they're going to make a little bit of charge late in the season. Nobody is going to believe in them. Jimmy Butler is going to be outside the top 15 in player ratings, and all of a sudden they're going to make a deep playoff run because like, they do that every single year. They do it every year. We just got to start believing in it at some point. We just got to know that's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to cut it off here. This was the first half of Power Rankings. Did teams 1 through 15. Uh, again, if you want to see the article, I know I talk uh, pretty fast in these because there's a lot to say. Uh, if you want to see the article, uh, it's it's in the description of the episode, but just head on over to bballindex.com. Click on the articles tab right at the top. It'll be the first one, and you can see where your favorite team is. You can see where your least favorite team is. Uh, let me know what you think at Taylor Metrics on Twitter, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index podcast.